0: Well, hello friends, you're listening to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris, the Communications Director at Cap City, and I'm so glad that you're listening. In fact, I would love to chat with you, so send me an email at hello at CapitalCityChristian.org. We just got out of a pretty long series on the Book of Jonah, and if you didn't get to hear any of it, I'd really recommend going back and listening for a few weeks. But now we're going to be sharing a couple weeks of messages from other ministers at our church. And we've got a special treat for you today, listeners. Our Ability Minister, Mike Napier, is one of our newest staff members, and he's speaking today. Are you tired and worn out? Has your spiritual passion faded and been replaced by depression or sadness, almost like your spiritual heart is broken? Mike has a special message for you about turning your heartbreak into heartburn. Let's get right to it. Well, good morning, Capital City Church family. As you can see, this isn't Doc. Obviously, Doc is much younger and more handsome than I. But my name is Mike Napier. And uh, in addition to uh, just being able to share with this church family, uh, a good number of friends and brothers and sisters in Christ and just people I've come to know and love over the years, I've also had the opportunity to work with you uh, and at least in the beginning phases of a brand new ministry called Indispensable Church. Now, for those of you who have already expressed an interest and know what's going on, you know that we uh, were to originally have a, um, a meeting scheduled this afternoon. And then we also had our launch scheduled for uh, the, th- the third week in, uh, in May. Unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic and all the things that have come along with that, those plans have changed. Now, originally, the idea was, as we were having this uh, this meeting for this afternoon, uh, Doc had asked me if I would uh, if I would preach this morning, as he was going to be gone to a conference. But of course, all that has changed. But now, what I want you to do is, I want you to understand is that um, that no matter what, we have not lost a vision for this ministry, and we certainly uh, are looking forward to when things begin to open up again to get the ball rolling. And so if you've already expressed an interest as a volunteer, then just hang in there with us. Continue to be praying for this ministry and just know that before long we're going to get things going. If perhaps you up to this time have not expressed an interest or maybe don't know too much about it, please don't hesitate to give me a call. And I'd love to talk to you about it and we'd love to have you as a part of this team. Now, um, we are... Uh, hopefully going to be able to um, in the very near future establish a social media presence of some sort uh, involved in this ministry so you just be on the lookout for that and and again just continue to to keep us uh, keep all this in your prayers as we go along now it's the week after Easter, and no doubt that this Easter, or maybe more correctly, Resurrection Sunday, this was uh, this was different than anything probably any of us have ever experienced in our lifetime. Um, it was different, but at the same time, it was really good. Uh, it was good for me personally, because I feel like that... Um, that it just helped me to, uh, to maybe get my mind off of, uh, off of this constant uh, bombardment that we're getting through the, through the different media forms, you know, be it, be it uh, TV uh, interviews and conferences and, and, uh, that, that take place each day, the things that we read and the things that we hear. For me, and I don't think that I'm all that much different than anyone else, maybe I am, but I think it's basically just human nature. But I, I really believe that the hardest part for this is for us to just not see how the story ends. We're just by, just by our nature, we, kinda, we wanna know the rest of the story. We wanna be able to see that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. And it's hard to hold out for hope when you can't see it. And it's difficult when you don't know the whole story. That's been kind of interesting. I've been trying to keep myself busy, lots of things going on, but um, I had a rather frightening experience one day last week. Uh, and it actually um, reminded me of something that happened to me several years ago. Uh, actually, I was involved in a, in a, in a, in a little accident. There were, a, it was during a blizzard, I guess is what we would call it, a snowstorm for sure. And I was at an intersection where there had several accidents had already taken place. And I foolishly got out of the car. And as I got out of the car, I went over to kind of see what I could do to help and heard somebody gasp, and it was really the only warning I got, and I turned, and another car came through the intersection, slammed into a vehicle, which in turn slammed into me, and I was able to jump up at the last second. And, and unfortunately I got my leg pinned between the car and had a leg injury, but uh, it was nothing that was, you know, really life changing or anything like that. But it was uh, definitely changed my life for, uh, for at least a few weeks. Now I have tried, uh, in many things to abide by the governor's recommendations. And especially when he starts talking about mental health and he talks about getting out and getting exercise. And, uh, some of you are already aware that, you know, that I have been a runner for now for probably the last 35 to 40 years. Uh, I don't race anymore, I don't really train anymore, but I still try to get out and run about three days a week, try to get three or four hours a week in. Uh, And so this particular day I I went out and it was one of those just really nice days that we had. It was about 70 degrees. It was really just a a, a shorts and shoes kind of day. Sun was shining and the birds were singing. And so I chose a route that is fairly well traveled by runners and uh, not a lot of uh, automobile traffic, but you'll see families there, people walking their dogs, people playing with their kids and that kind of thing. And that was sort of that day. And so I'd started out on this run and and I've sort of my mind was just kind of thinking about, well, you know, what loop was I going to take? How long was I going to stay out? That kind of thing. And I looked up ahead of me and I saw um, a young lady and it looked to be maybe a young mother, we'll say, with two or three children, probably in that two or three, four year old age range. And so as I looked at them and, 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 and as I was coming up behind them and what I often do is when I'm, when I'm coming up behind somebody and I know they don't see me, I will say something so I don't startle them. And I, I said, ma'am, I said, I'm going to come around you. I said, I just didn't want to startle you. And so she kind of moved over here to the left and, and, and sort of looked back at me and said, thank you. And so I kind of moved over here to the right and I kind of looked at her and I said, you guys have a great day, it's a beautiful day, whatever it was I said. So as I was easing along through there, all of a sudden as I kind of, my focus was still kind of on her and the other two children here. As I was kind of easing along through there, I, I heard, and I wouldn't call it a scream and I wouldn't call it a yell, but it was almost like a, if it's possible to make a high pitched guttural sound, that's what I felt like I heard. And just as I turned and looked, I saw a small compact pickup truck coming right at me. And and when I first looked up, it was kind of swerving to the left and then swerving to the right. And all of a sudden the wheels turned all the way to the right and this vehicle started rolling. And as it started rolling, it started coming right at me. And again, I kind of flash back in my mind to that time when, when I, um, when I when I got hit there on that day with the snowstorm. But what basically happened is the driver had lost control, and as his truck was rolling to me, it was one of those things where you didn't have time to think. There was no place to go. There was really, really no time to even consider anything other than just maybe. The, I would just attribute it to just survival instinct. But with all the reflexes that I could muster out of these 65-year-old legs, the only thing that I could think of at the moment was, I'm going to have to jump. And that's what I did. I jumped. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. When you look at that phrase there, now that same day, it would certainly be an understatement to say that there was a lot that happened on that day. This was Easter, what we call Easter Sunday. This was a day that Jesus... Resurrected from the grave. It was the day that that stone was rolled away. It was the day that those angels appeared and said, why do you look here? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. And it was that same day that these two disciples were walking from Jerusalem, headed to the village of Emmaus. Now scripture tells us it was about... Again, about seven or eight miles from Jerusalem. We don't know a lot about Emmaus. There may have been or may or may not have been some connection to there being hot springs there. But one thing we know for sure is that it wasn't one of those places that was maybe a a vacation destination for the elite there in Jerusalem. It was just a small village, probably a two or three hour trip depending on the pace that you would make. And, but I got to think that maybe that day, and sometimes I think too much, but I got to think that maybe that day that it was probably a little longer for them because in my mind, and again, maybe I'm taking some license, maybe I'm taking some liberty, but in my mind, what I was seeing was them kind of walking along, shuffling maybe, and they would talk every now and then. And then they would walk in silence every now and then. And then they would maybe stop and discuss some things. And maybe sometimes they, that words would just fail them and they would just shake their heads or maybe shrug their shoulders. It was obvious in me, at least in my mind, that these two guys were, as my, as my mom would have said, they were down in the mouth. And there was no purpose in their step. They were just going back to something. And then Jesus shows up. And they didn't recognize him. And, of course, Scripture says that, in this particular translation says, but they were kept from recognizing him. And you could say, well, there's something obviously supernatural that's taking place here. And that's quick and possibly, quite likely, that's what it is. But at the same time, again, talking about human nature, it didn't have to be all about a supernatural occurrence have you ever run into someone in a place where you didn't expect to see them? Happened to me a few years ago. Just again, just one of those things that kind of comes to mind. I was out in Montrose, Colorado, and uh, down on one of the main thoroughfares. There's not too many main thoroughfares in Montrose, Colorado, but it was out. In, I was out in Western Colorado, and to be honest with you, I can't remember if we were on our way up into the mountains. Uh, during it, we were, it was during archery season. We were there chasing elk and mule deer, and I can remember if we were on our way out coming back home or if we were on on our way up. But regardless, uh, we stopped there. We were going to go in this little general store, kind of had a little bit of everything. And as we walked in, as we got out of the truck and, and I started walking down the sidewalk, I saw another guy get out of a vehicle, close his, his, his door up, lock the door. And he came. So as he came walking towards me on the sidewalk, I kind of eased over here to the right. And as he did the same as he came walking towards me. And so as he came walking by me, just, you know, Hey, I'm from Kentucky. This is what I do. And so I just kind glanced at him and said, Hey. And he looked back at me and he said, Hey. And so we went on walking. And I got about two or three steps down the down the sidewalk and I just stopped and it hit me. I thought, wait a minute, I know that guy. And so I turned around and looked and he was doing exactly the same thing. He stopped and turned around and looked at me. It ended up being somebody that I have known and been friends with since I was a teenager, and neither one of us had any idea that that either that we were anywhere even remotely near Montrose, Colorado. But we had walked right past each other like we didn't recognize each other simply because we weren't expecting to see each other there. And I think sometimes that's what happens. I think sometimes you can look right at somebody and walk right past him because you weren't expecting to see him. And I think the same thing happens sometimes with Jesus. I think there are times when Jesus shows up in our lives. He shows up in our situations. He shows up in our circumstances. And we don't recognize him. And it's because we're not looking for him. It's because we're not expecting him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? So Jesus asked here uh, the first of three questions. And basically he said to them, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? And if you'll notice the description here, and there's several things that I want you to catch as we go through this passage. But if you notice the description, it says that they stood still and it says their faces were downcast. And I already said that in my mind, I kind of pictured them as maybe, you know, maybe not being in a particular hurry to get there anyway. And I really don't think they were. There was no particular hurry for them to get there. And I think their face kind of gives us a clue as to why they weren't moving very quickly. Because you know what? Depression will do that to you. Discouragement will do that to you. Disappointment will just absolutely take the life out of you. And so we have to understand that when Jesus died, so did their dreams. And so did their expectations. So Cleopas kind of asked Jesus a question here. He says, Well, you know, boy, where have you been? How, How could how could you have missed all these things that were going on in Jerusalem? And so then Jesus asked the second of three questions. He asked, What things? And they replied, about Jesus of Nazareth. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And I think now we begin to get a little better idea of why they were so downcast. Because look here, again, take note of this. Look at how he described Jesus. He said he was a prophet, that he was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. But if you'll notice, there's no mention of him being, or using the terminology, Messiah. Then they said, and notice these were all in past tense. They crucified him. And so in their minds, they crucified him. You know what that means? It means he's dead. And you know what that means? That when you're dead, you stay dead because death is so permanent. And then notice they said that we had hoped, again, past tense, that he was the one, again, past tense. Now this wasn't your typical Easter Sunday celebration. For most people, even with us, even though this one was quite different that we just celebrated, but you know, for the most part, most of us are familiar with how things work on Easter. You know, you get up, you know, you eat breakfast, whatever form that takes, and then perhaps what you'll do is you'll is you'll get up and you'll go to church and you'll and you'll celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and then you'll then you'll probably, you'll gather as a family or a family unit or extended family somewhere, and you're sharing a meal, and maybe the you'll get out and the kids will run and play in the yard and have a big time. That's not what was going on here. These guys weren't just joyfully walking along rejoicing that Jesus the Messiah had risen from the dead. These guys were devastated. They were devastated. I heard a preacher say one time that then there was some crazy women that told this story. I'm a little smarter than that. So what I'm going to say is there were some women that told a crazy story. And they told this crazy story about the angels telling them that he was, that Jesus was alive but they didn't see him alive. It said then there were some of their companions that came and, 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 and they didn't see, they, they found it was just like the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus there either. And because they didn't see him be- alive, they didn't believe because this was beyond their level of faith to believe. And I think sometimes we, even today, fall into that same error. We fall into that same mindset that we don't believe something because we can't understand it. We don't believe something because we don't explain it. Undoubtedly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest story that's ever been told. And there are so many people that will tell you they're familiar with that story. There are so many people that will sing the songs and quote the scripture and they'll, and they'll bounce along and they're going to say they, they believe, they're going to celebrate and they say they believe that he's alive. But yet upon closer examination, it's just hard to see Jesus actually in their lives. These two disciples were dealing with something that's difficult for us to deal with even today they were dealing with the reality of their misplaced hopes and expectations. Maybe in their minds, they felt like God had failed them. And in their disappointment, they left Jerusalem and were headed for Emmaus. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like God has failed you? And I believe that's a... I believe that's a legitimate question because I think probably many of us have felt that from, some t- from time to time. Maybe, maybe you prayed for that cancer or some other disease to, to be cured and it wasn't. Maybe you prayed for that loved one who struggled with addiction to be able to overcome their addiction and, and it didn't happen. Maybe you prayed for that new job to come along, or you prayed for that new home, or you prayed just for that new life. Maybe you prayed for your marriage, for your spouse, for your husband, for your wife, for your children. Maybe you prayed for your family. Maybe you prayed that God would give you a family. Maybe you prayed that God would bring that special person in your life so you could, so you could, so you could, someone that you could love. Maybe you prayed that God would give you that child that you could raise and nurture. And it hasn't happened. And you wonder, God, why are you leaving me alone? And maybe you feel like that God just let you down. Maybe you just didn't live up to your expectations. And you know what happens? And sometimes it happens immediately, and sometimes it happens over a period of time. But after this, when you get to that mindset, it gets to the point where you begin to check out. You check out physically, you check out emotionally, and you check out spiritually. And I think that's where our friends here on that... Road to Emmaus that day. I think that's where they find themselves. But let me tell you, things were about to change because they were about to experience something that was going to alter their lives forever. And in this right here, you're going to hear the third question that Jesus asked, which is basically, can't you guys see? Can't you see that it's me? Verse 25, Luke records for us. He says, he said to them, he being Jesus, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Kind of gives an indication of how long this trip. This was a, a two-hour two trip here, okay? And so it gives an indication of how long maybe this trip had, had taken. But it's even a greater indication for me here is that it tells us something here. We learn something that it's possible to know about Jesus, but not really know Jesus. Do you get that? It's possible to know about Jesus, but not really know him. And Jesus could have, but he didn't, could have just jumped out from behind a rock. He could have just jumped out from behind a rock and said, surprise, it's me, it's me, it's really me. And I'm alive. But instead, what did he do? It says that he went to the scriptures and he began to explain to them carefully all the things the scriptures said about him. And what I see in that is this, is that the only way to truly know Jesus is through the scriptures. And, 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 and no one taught like Jesus. It was said about Jesus that no one had ever taught with the authority that he taught with. Which shouldn't surprise us because Jesus himself said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Pretty cool what's happening here, guys, because before they met Jesus on the road, their fire was just about to go out. But now, that fire had been... Their, their hearts were, 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 were burning again. You see, they'd gone from heartbreak to heartburn. As that truck continued to roll for, towards me, it was almost like slow motion. It was almost like... Uh, something in the in, you'd see in the Matrix, and so as I saw it coming to me, and I kind of tried to time the roll and time the bounce, as I saw it coming at me, I just kind of kind of kind of gathered my legs underneath of me, and I and I leaped up in the air like this, and kind of threw my legs up, and maybe I was thinking about saving that right leg this time, and I kind of leaned over backwards again. It was kind of Matrix like, and I kind of leaned over backwards and in an amazement. I watched as that truck rolled underneath me and eventually came to a stop. I kind of came down. I put my hands on my knees and tried to get my breath. I tried to recover from the shock of this near miss, this near tragedy. And about that time I heard laughter. And that laughter turned out to be coming from a little boy, maybe five years old, who had been hiding behind a mound of dirt waiting for just the perfect time as I passed him to take his toy truck and throw it at me. So you see, I really did almost get hit by a small truck. But it makes all the difference in the world when you know the whole story, doesn't it? And you see, it makes all the difference, and it made all the difference to our friends here in our text. Jesus opened their eyes to something he opened their eyes to the truth and it changed their perspective i like to say that that it put some uh, it put some pep in their step and you look in verse 33 it says they got up and returned at once immediately at once Jerusalem, and there they found the 11 and those with them assembled saying together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two of them told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. I said it put some pep in their steps so much, they got up right then, turned around and made this trip back to Jerusalem. We said it was seven or eight miles, okay? They made this trip back to Jerusalem now in the dark. And even though it was dark, I got to believe that this trip was a whole lot quicker and probably a whole lot more pleasant than the trip into town. And they found the 11 and they told him what happened. They had confirmed that Jesus had indeed risen from the dead. But here's the thing I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss this difference in the description here, their own description. Because if you remember when he was talking to Jesus, Cleopas, when he was talking to Jesus about Jesus, he said he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. So he went now, as he describes him here in verse 34, he says, it's true, the Lord has risen. So you see, he's made the transition. Now he sees the, he sees the reality, instead of describing him as a powerful prophet, he's gone from powerful prophet to risen savior, to risen Lord. Now these two guys had experienced the whole gamut of, of emotions. The the highs, the hopes, the expectations of Jesus being the one that they'd been waiting on. The expectations of him coming, delivering them from the the oppression of the Romans to to reestablish Israel, to the disappointment and, and, and the discouragement that came from recognizing that maybe they had misjudged him, that maybe he wasn't who they thought he was. And now to this excitement and this fire that burned within them they couldn't be extinguished. So folks, here we are. It's a week after Easter. What now? It was different. It was different for Easter, for sure. But you know, even under the best of circumstances, it's real easy for us to ride that resurrection high, but then a week, two weeks, three weeks down the road, it's back to business as usual. And regardless of how much different it was for us, regardless of some of the things that we had to do differently, some of the changes that we've had to make, the, the hope and the truth remains the same. And that is the, folk, the fact that Jesus is alive. He is alive. We don't serve a, a, just a box of bones somewhere. We serve a risen savior because Jesus is alive. And that truth alone, that, nothing else, that should put some pep in our step not just on Easter Sunday or the week after or the week after that, but for every step that the Lord allows us to take. Now, there's no doubt that we have gone through and will continue to go through difficulties and discouragement in our lives. I think there's gonna be a lot of times when we're we're gonna struggle because we're human to find hope when we can't see the end, to find hope when we don't know the rest of the story. I think there's going to be times when our fire may be nearly, if not completely, extinguished. But just remember something. Jesus said, Don't be surprised about this. He said, In this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Guys, it's tough. It's tough. I'm an old guy and I'm hard-headed and I don't like most of the changes that I've had to make as a result. And I'm going to tell you this, and you know this, and I believe this with all my heart, is that when we get to the end of this whole COVID-19 thing, we're going to find God's already there, just waiting on us. And in the meantime, our mission hasn't changed. We have a message to take to the world that Jesus lives, that Jesus is alive, that he died for our sins, that he was raised again on the third day. Folks, the resurrection is the heart of the gospel. And, and, and the gospel, Paul says, Romans chapter one is, is the power of God. It's the dynamite of God for the salvation of all who believe. Like the song says, because he lives, we can face tomorrow, but not only tomorrow, but today In every day that follows. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that Jesus was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. In Philippians 3, Paul also says that I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. As Jesus was at the home of Lazarus talking to Martha, he said to her there in John chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he said, he who believes in me will live even though he dies and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I have a hope and a prayer that I want to leave you with here today. My hope is that just as Jesus opened up the eyes of those who mourn for Lazarus and just as Jesus opened up the eyes for these two on the road to Emmaus, my hope is is that God has opened our eyes as well to the power of his resurrection. My prayer is that he gives each and every one of us a case of heartburn like he gave to these two guys on the road to Emmaus. In Jeremiah chapter 20 and verse nine, Jeremiah says, but if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. My prayer is that this heartburn may excite us and may encourage us to share this message and the hope of the resurrection with a world that is struggling to find hope. So we bring things to a close there today. And maybe there's something that we've gone over today. Maybe maybe there's something that that the Lord has been dealing with you, maybe for some time. And maybe there's just been something today. Maybe it was a lyric in the song. Maybe it was a passage of scripture. Maybe it was something that was said. But I want you to know that if you have questions today, questions about your commitment to Christ, whether it be a first-time commitment, a continuing commitment, maybe a recommitment, I want you to know that, that, that if you have questions, that you've got Doc and John and Steve and Tater and some of our elders that are online right now, and if you need to talk, they're ready to listen. Maybe you find yourself in a place where your fire has dimmed, or maybe... Your fire is raging and you're looking for a place to serve. Don't hesitate to respond to this push that the Holy Spirit might be exerting on you here today. God bless you.